0: In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the Word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder our Sunday Mass readings. And this Sunday, we are entering into the 27th week in ordinary time. It's the first Sunday in the month of October, and the month of October is so beautiful for so many reasons. In the church, it's traditionally the month that we honor our Blessed Mother, particularly under the title of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary, October 7th is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary or the Feast of Victory, referring back to the Battle of Lepanto, going back to 17, excuse me, 1571, and that beautiful battle that was won through the prayer of the rosary. And so I want to encourage those of you who maybe haven't yet picked up that daily tradition of praying the daily rosary as a family as a husband and wife in your community, that this is the month to begin. And if it's just starting with the decade, if it's just starting with the Hail Mary every day, whatever it is, pick up and continue to invite Our Lady into your life, and she will guide you directly to Jesus. This is also Respect Life Month in the church, and so the first Sunday in the month of October is known as Respect Life Sunday. I know there's many cities across the nation that have what's called a life chain, an opportunity for people to gather together in peaceful prayer for life. And typically that happens on this first Sunday, I know, in the city of Salem, Oregon. Again, that's the case and many um, times in Portland. I'm not sure what date that is, but again, continue with your rosary prayer to pray for the life issues. I want to open again with this novena. I think I talked about it last week about the novena to St. Therese of Lisieux. Her feast day is October 1st, kicking off this month, and Archbishop Alexander Sample from the Archdiocese of Portland has invited us here in this Archdiocese particularly to pray for the intention of St. Therese, for his upcoming convocation with the priests. And that kicks off beginning tomorrow or the first Monday in October. And particularly for St. Therese to continue to work on behalf of priests and bishops. That was one of her pledges is that she would continue to pray for and to intercede for priests. And Archbishop has really invited us to join in that prayer intention. So I'd like to invite those of you who will join us in, in daily remembering St. Therese and asking her to watch over and to protect our priests and bishops, your own priests and bishop, and to continue to guide men to the priesthood to continue to follow in the line of Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Therese, flower of fervor and hope, please intercede for us. Fill our hearts with your pure love of God. As we approach and celebrate your feast day, make us more aware of the goodness of God and how well he tends his garden. Instill in us your little way of doing ordinary things with extraordinary love. Give us the heart of a child who wonders at life and embraces everything with loving enthusiasm. Teach us your delight in God's ways so that divine charity may blossom in our hearts little flower of Jesus, bring our petitions before God our Father. We especially ask you to present to him our priests and bishops as they gather for their convocation. With your confidence, we come before Jesus as God's children, because you are our heavenly friend. As we celebrate your feast day and your homecoming in heaven, continue to shower roses of grace upon us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And this novena is found on the Archdiocesan website, archdpdx.org. I'll make sure to put a copy of that on the description below on this podcast. So the, the, the month of the rosary, we begin this time of October, and we continue to reflect in the readings, the scriptures. I want to first proclaim the scriptures, but I'll just give you a sense of this theme that came out in many of the homilies I listened to. And as I continue to ponder these readings, to go back to the source. So think about that as we hear these readings Proclaimed for the 27th Sunday in ordinary time. In fact, with that idea of going back to the source, the entrance antiphon, if you listen to it, was so powerful. And so many times there is a little little nugget of wisdom that comes from our antiphons that are prayed in the liturgy, whether it's Sunday mass or sometimes on a daily mass, I will just hear this antiphon and it really has a powerful message. Most of these antiphons are based upon scripture, of course. And so again, it's just a, a real way of how is God speaking to me right now? How is God speaking to the world right now? The interest Antiphon for this Sunday is this within your will, O Lord, all things are established and there is none that can resist your will for you have made all things, the heaven and the earth and all that is held within the circle of heaven. You are the Lord of all. My goodness, we could stop right there and just say, here it is. The Lord has established all things. There is none that can resist your will. Now we think about, we just celebrated this weekend, the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And earlier uh, on September 29th, the Feast of the Archangels. And we've seen an example at the very beginning of creation where some creatures decided to not follow God's will. And forever they will be fallen angels suffering in heaven, in hell, excuse me, suffering in hell in torment because they have decided to defy God's will. But they know God's will, which is why they create such havoc here on the earth. And we see that distortion, that havoc, that confusion, that anxiety that comes from the evil that decided to defy God's will, which comes from pride. It's the source of all sin. And here it says that none can resist your will. And so pray that you will not resist God's will that you will receive and embrace God's holy will. The book of Genesis is shared with us today. Isn't it nice to go back to the basics? Sometimes we've heard it say that all the things I need to know I learned in kindergarten, it's that idea that in the basics, in the very source of creation this is what we need to know we need to know the basics and here proclaimed in today's reading from genesis chapter 2 are some of the basics that we have to keep in mind if if we don't get these then we're not going to get the other things and the other things will be disordered disordered which is what we really see in the world today genesis chapter 2 the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone I will make a suitable partner for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground various wild animals and various birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called, each of them would be its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, all the wild animals, but none proved to be the suitable partner for the man. So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man. And while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The Lord God then built up into a woman the rib that he had taken from the man. When he brought her to the man, the man said, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of her man, this one has been taken. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. The word of the Lord. Our psalm is from Psalm 128. Again, think about the source. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Blessed are you who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways, for you shall eat the fruit of your handiwork. Blessed shall you be and favored. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the recesses of your home, your children like olive plants around your table. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Behold, Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. May the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. Our second reading comes from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter two, verses nine through 11. Brothers and sisters, he for a little while was made lower than the angels, that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory should make the leader to their salvation perfect through suffering. He who consecrates and those who are being consecrated all have one origin. Therefore, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading for this 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 2 Through 16. However, before I get into verse two, I want to just point out verse one. And I'm going to open up my Bible to get there because it sets a little context to what's happening when Jesus has this encounter, one with the Pharisees and two with his disciples. It's the beginning of chapter 10. In fact, in my Bible, it's entitled marriage and divorce. And, and verse one says this, he set out from there and went into the district of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds gathered around him and as was his custom, he again taught them. So this is in a context where Jesus is in the mode of teaching. He, he sees this opportunity where many people are coming. He's, he's challenging the disciples. He's challenging the people of the day to what they expect and to get them to look deeper into God, into what he, his desires are to be his people, to, to the Messiah and, and these different teachings. And so just think that he is in teaching mode. He wants to impact the people to follow the Lord and and to listen to not what the world is teaching, but to listen deeper to the intentions and the holy will of God. So here's verse two in the gospel of Mark. The Pharisees approached Jesus and asked, is it lawful for a husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, What did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And people were bringing children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he became indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not prevent them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen. I say to you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Then he embraced them. And bless them, placing his hands on them. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Father Brian at St. Rose reminded us when we say those words, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, we are affirming the truth of the gospel, the good news. And so if you read that gospel, And you say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You're saying, this is the truth and I believe it. And maybe I don't understand it. Okay. So there's a way that we can start to learn to understand the truth. And this is what Jesus is doing in the gospel. He's helping the people start to understand the real good news. Because right now, the Messiah is with them and he wants them to understand the good news. And today the Lord wants us to understand the good news. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We don't just say those words. They have meaning, they have purpose. And when we say those words, you better believe them. You know, when we go up and receive Holy Communion, we say amen. That means not only amen, I believe you are truly present, Jesus, in the most holy sacrament in the Eucharist. I believe you are true food, but I believe in all the teachings of the Catholic Church. And if you don't believe in all of the teachings of the Catholic Church, or in fact, you decide to defy one of the teachings of the Catholic Church, of Jesus's teachings, then you can't say amen, and you can't receive the Holy Eucharist. That's a hard teaching, but Jesus teaches us that we have to believe and trust in him. So let's go back to Genesis, because in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is taking his questioners back to Genesis and reminding them not just what the rules of the day are because rules are made to help guide the people, hopefully to go to a a good direction. Now, that isn't always the case. Sometimes we make rules and they really lead people into destruction. And, And in Moses's time, if we remember back to Moses's time, this was a time, at least what the scripture scholars are revealing and what some of the pastors shared in their homilies, where it was very easy to to uh, get rid of your wife. Maybe she didn't prepare the meal like you liked it uh, on very petty reasons people, men, were were writing a bill of divorce and getting rid of their wives. And it would put wives and women in a very, very dangerous situation. It really disregarded the rights of the woman. And so Moses is responding to this disregard for marriage, a disregard for this union in how I'm going to deal with bringing some peace to the people. But see, it was not designed to have all of these rules and regulations we just go back to genesis and god is 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 creating the world and he creates adam and all of these creatures And Adam receives all of these creatures. He gets all of these creatures. Wouldn't it be interesting to be there to see and hear what did he really call all of the animals and all of the plants and all of the things? I was just recently listening to a book on on CD of the, the expedition of Lewis and Clark. And as they see, as Lewis and Clark see all of these different plants and flowers and all of these different things that they've never seen before, they're giving names to them. But Sacagawea the Indian, she's already given them names because she's already seen some of these plants. They've been part of her native land. And it's just interesting, you know, what we might, as we newly see new things, what that means to us, but all of those new creations are gifts from God. And God wants us to be happy. He wants, he's provided us this beautiful place to live, to live with him in peace But he realized, and I love this line, but none proved to be the suitable partner for the man. So all of these beautiful things made the man happy. It was was nice to be surrounded by all of these beautiful creatures, but there wasn't one like him. And so the Lord then decided, I need to give him a partner, a real partner. And he created the woman. And then Adam comes out of that deep sleep and and recognizes this is the one who is from me, who is designed just for me in that perfect union, that this is a union of one man and one woman fully with freedom, with faith, with trust, with respect that God created to really perpetrate and, and, and to promulgate the race that we would continue to have that one male, one female union in a family to raise children and to bring them into the love of God, that that union, which we call in the Catholic Church a sacrament, it's not just a contract. We get a marriage license when we're married, but it's not just a piece of paper. This is a covenant, like God had a covenant with the people. And the two of them become one flesh. And so the Lord in the gospel of Mark refers back to what the Pharisees should know and the disciples should know and the people should know is the creation of man. But reminding them of the source of that union. And when the world starts to disorder that union, problems arise. And we have many problems, unfortunately, today. And the problem that they're discussing here, of course, is divorce. God designs a suitable partner. And before the fall, that union of male and female reflects perfectly God's design for life. And and it also reflects... God's love for us, that perfect love for us is reflected within the union of male and female because male and female were designed in the image and likeness of God so that in those two, male and female coming together in that intimate union, we should reflect perfectly the beauty, the goodness, and the truth of God. If there is a distortion then that distorts the love, the truth, the goodness and the beauty of God. And that's where divorce and these other non-unions that the world or the culture has put on a pedestal has really distorted God's true love for us. Total acceptance for one another is what marriage is all about made for each other, to be in union with each other. This is the ordered way. This is God's plan. That's why I love this entrance antiphon, that all things are established within your will, O Lord. He established the perfect union of male and female. And I love how Jesus in this confrontation with the Pharisees, because they seem to always come not really desiring the truth. If they really wanted to know the truth, Jesus would have taught them in a different way. But he takes them back to the creation and he challenges them to not just look at God's law or just to to rely upon, in this case, what Moses did. But go back to what God did and what's God's plan. We need to go back there because at Judgment Day, I will be accountable to God's law, to God's law, not necessarily man's law. Now, there are some times when man's law and God's law come together. But unfortunately, in our world today, many of our God's laws defy or many of man's laws, excuse me, defy God's laws. Whose law will you follow and be accountable for in the judgment? And that's really up to you and God. It's up to me and God. With all of the discouragement, anxiety, disunity, distractions that continue to bombard us, particularly about our relationships with the human person. It is a really good thing to listen to Jesus to get us back on track as Christians to go back to God's law. There is so much in the media that continues to distract us. I wanted to mention a quote last week and I forgot this quote, but I will mention it now because it just came back to me. Father Sebastian in Kelso mentioned this quote from Mother Teresa, at least that's attributed to her. And she talked about, she was talking about the life issues and abortion, but she was talking about um, the tabernacle that we know God's tabernacle holds life. It holds the blessed sacrament, Jesus truly present. But the devil's tabernacle, Satan's tabernacle, she said, is the television you know, the television is that media, other than EWTN and Shallow Media, but you know, really that television is Satan's plaything. And he will give you every kind of distortion anti-God's law through that medium and has for many, many years. I call it that is really. Programming, that is really what the intent is for television is television programming. What is the program that you wanna follow? And I love that quote attributed to Mother Teresa to remind us to be cautious of what we listen to, of what we follow, of what forms our idea of marriage, of, of healthy relationships, of how I'm supposed to discern making decisions for my family, for my health, for my well-being, for my finances, for my faith, who will I let into that discussion? Do I go back to God? Do I go back to his law? Or do I go go on to the TV? And just the multitudes of false messages and murderous messages that are out there today that violate Our integrity, that violate our humanity, that violate our dignity as human persons. There is a real consequence of sin. And the good news is, and the church always preaches this the goodness of mercy, the goodness of God's mercy, that we can always come back to the Lord, acknowledge our sins to really, truly be sorry for those sins. When we go to confession, if you have a sin, but you really aren't sorry for that sin, the priest really isn't supposed to absolve you of that sin until you really have come to your heart to say, I understand that what I did was wrong. It was a violation of God's law. Of myself, of another human person. And when we come to that acknowledgement and recognize that we are sinners, God gives us all the grace and the mercy that we need. We don't even realize how much grace and mercy he wants to give us if we would just say, I'm sorry. You think about the parents who are looking at their children and you've got the two brothers, you know, fighting over The use of a toy, and they just want the two kids to get along. And, you know, they're trying their hardest, you know, apologize to your brother, apologize to your brother. And, you know, it's just that perfect parent who wants to get reconciliation between the siblings, right? How much more does God want us just to apologize, to recognize I did do a wrong thing? It's not the end of the world. God will forgive me, but I have to say I'm sorry and to move forward with his grace in the light, in the light. We must never put all of those secrets in the dark. They'll be exposed at the end of time. So let's put them in the light. Let's put them into the light of confession. Let's put them in the light of receiving God's grace so we can receive Holy Communion Jesus finishes his teaching in this segment with the children. And was it a coincidence that these people were bringing their children to have uh, the Lord bless them? I don't think so. I have to share a quick story that. At the Rosary Bowl this weekend in Kaiser, at the end of our Mass and Rosary, uh, our Archbishop was there. And there is this line of families with little children, and they wanted to have the Archbishop, you know, kind of bless them and to, to offer a, a prayer for them. And I just thought that's so like Jesus that, that if people are around a holy man like Jesus, they just want that blessing. and And, and so Jesus ends with reminding the people in all of this controversy that the the kingdom of God, if that's what you want to follow, if that's where you want to be, it belongs to the little ones. It belongs to the childlike. It belongs to those children that are completely dependent upon their parents, that completely trust their parents' decisions and all things. They're completely transparent. They're completely vulnerable. They're completely dependent upon God to, to nurture them, to care for them. And they'll completely trust. They won't question a thing. We are the ones as adults that harm children's innocence such a shameful thing. You know, I think it was last weekend, right? It would be better if a millstone was wrapped around your neck and you're tossed to the bottom of the sea. If you're going to harm and lead astray, one of these little ones, no, the littlest ones, the most vulnerable, the most humble, the most willing to do whatever you want them to do. The child wants to, to, to please his or her father and mother and how much more so his or her God. And so Jesus is reminding us to have that innocence, to have that vulnerability, to have that trustworthiness, complete dependence on God, not on man's laws, dependence upon God as a little one. And he embraced those children and placed his hands on them. Let's just... Have this image of Jesus placing his hands on your head, on the head of your family, your neighbors, and those that are the furthest away from the church, furthest away from God's law, that God just wants to put his hands on their head for a blessing. Will you receive my blessing? Will you receive the blessing of God? So that your relationships will be healthy, will be joyful, will be fruitful, will be filled with abundance. Because God created us for a life filled with abundance and to be the childlike. That he will be a light unto our paths. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Have a beautiful week as we enter into the month of the rosary, the month of respect life, continue to pray your rosary, continue to give thanks and praise, and let us together give joy to the Lord. God bless. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass new podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.